Did you know coming I was? I fear nothing. All is as the Force wills it. We are confusion, anger, sadness, joy, and serenity. My ally is the Force, and the powerful ally it is. Life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. Star Wars fans and move milkers everywhere. Welcome to, welcome to episode number 57 of Blast Points. This is Jason. Hey, this is Gabe. You know, for, for a while I was thinking this last week that there wasn't a lot of Star Wars news, but then we're recording this on Sunday, and somehow today there was like an explosion of Star Wars news. But but maybe is it news? Or that's still that's debatable, right? Yeah, it's well, it's speculation and so, oh, there's some information. There's a picture of something, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's legitimate news. So first off, there was a little bit of Han Solo movie news. Han Solo. 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 Um, so Woody Harrelson, he's at uh, Sundance Film Festival. He's being interviewed by Variety. Right, and he's sitting right next to Laura Dern, where nobody's asking her about Episode Eight, or maybe they were, and we didn't hear about it. So, anyways, this reporter, yeah, I didn't realize he was sitting next to Laura Dern. Okay, that's even crazier. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. So he, so this reporter says we got to talk about Star Wars. She asks him, Woody Harrelson, if he is playing Garish Garris Shrike. I don't even know who that is. No, <laughs> and Woody, we have to ask you a Star Wars question. Because it's been revealed that you're the uh, Han Solo mentor. Um, can you confirm that it's Garrus Shrike? Or what can you tell us? Confirm what? That you're playing that, uh, the character of Garrus. Um, Don't do it. I Don't do it. I, 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 Don't do it. I'm hearing the phones of the lawyers at Star Wars <laughs> ringing. Right now. Think of Jeremy. Think of Jeremy. Uh, yeah, I, I am. Everyone on the internet freaks out saying, Woody Harrelson just confirmed that he's playing Garrus Shrike. In the Han Solo movie, so Garrus Shrike is from what? What year did the book come out? Looks like 1997. Anne C. Crispin's book, everybody's favorite Star Wars book, The Paradise Snare. Yeah. Well, it's the first of the Han Solo trilogy. Before not, the Legends, before the Triumphs, a young man's quest begins. But not the Brian Daly Han Solo books. Not like the ones that everybody loves. The other Han Solo books. Oh, man. Well, it's got to be one of those things, too, where they haven't started filming yet. He might not even know what his character's name is. <laughs> and Garrus Shrike 
he's really a jerk, right? Like, he, like, beat Han Solo. He was, like, really, really mean. And everyone's saying, like, how goofy and lighthearted and fun the Han Solo movie is. You need contrast, right? You can't have a goofy movie without people getting beaten. (laughs) Han Solo. I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. Chewie here tells me you're looking for passage to the Alderaan system. Yes, indeed. If it's a fast ship. Fast ship? You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Should I have? So the internet freaks out, right? Everyone, Woody Harrelson just confirmed who he's playing. Pablo Hidalgo steps in on Twitter and says, I'll let others sort it out, but ask yourself, what question was he answering? Hashtag cryptic tweets. I think whenever we see pictures of Pablo with a coffee cup, there's just whiskey in there. <laughs> whiskey? <laughs> he's got the hardest job in the world. Just, just cough medicine. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. So, I don't know, Gabe, like, what do you, what do you think? Like, what do you think of Woody Harrelson's answer? What do you think? Do you think he's playing, playing Garrus Shrike? I think, like I said, I don't think Woody Harrelson has any idea the name of the character he's playing. So he's just saying, yeah, I'm in the movie. I can't see them making the Han Solo movie and pulling out a reference to this 1997 book. Han Solo having a mentor, that's been in there since The Empire Strikes Back. You know, maybe they do use the name, but I kind of think that Lucasfilm could come up with a brand new name for a character. I got to think if anything, there's gonna they're going to pick and choose and pull things from all these other Han Solo stories. But yeah, they'll come up with a new name, I'm sure. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, once... And it's, it's a slippery thing if they start bringing in that kind of stuff and not just like obscure old West End role-playing game stuff. If they start bringing in that stuff, then... The expectation is, well, then you got to bring in all this other stuff, too. And then yeah. we're back to all that stuff again. And if his name's Gareth Strike, then we're going to be really confused with Gareth, Gareth, and then the other Gareth who does the raid movies. We'll never <laughs> be able to keep it straight. Maybe he's playing cloned Luke Skywalker. Luke. Luke. Yeah, Woody Harrelson would be a good Luke. <laughs> He'd be a great Luke. Yeah, if anything, now I'm kind of bummed that he's in the Han Solo movie because now he never can play Luke. <laughs> Because he's going to be Han Solo's, unless Han Solo's mentor is the clone of Luke from the future sent back to the past. <laughs> I, could, I don't. I think as excited as I would be to be in a Star Wars movie, I probably wouldn't remember what my name is. And if, <laughs> so if you're sitting, would, if you're sitting on a couch, and if some reporter asks you, "Are you going to be in the Star Wars movie? Are you playing Gareth Shrike?" You'd be like, "Sure, whatever. Yeah. Maybe that's what that dude's called. I don't know. His name might have been Googly Eyes, dude. I don't know." So there was a little bit of episode eight goodies that came out today. Got beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode eight. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. All right, folks, this is Jason. Just interrupting with a very special announcement. As I was editing this episode, they announced the title of episode eight, The Last Jedi. We are in shock. We are blown away. There's a lot to think about, and we will discuss it on next week's episode of Blast Points. Or, because it killed us, Ghost Points. We now join the following program already in progress. Yeah, these are a little more concrete, uh... News, right? There's some photos of some holiday cheer. It's the best kind of super early Star Wars craziness where you get a blurry photo of Christmas ornaments. And that's what you got to go off of to get pumped up for the for the next Star Wars movie. You know, that's like that's what we live for. <laughs> I was thinking that all day. Like, man, these, this is the golden time for episode eight right now. And all we've got is a blurry blurry photo of a Christmas ornament. Yeah. That's, you know, and when else are we going to see Ray with her lightsaber next to uh, Elf (laughs) in a Star Trek ship? So a photo came out today of upcoming Hallmark Christmas ornaments. And in the photo, you can see 
that there's an episode eight Ray and a Luke Skywalker Christmas ornament. And Luke looked absolutely phenomenal. I want to get a whole tree this com- next Christmas and just fill it with nothing but a hundred Luke Skywalker ornaments. Yeah, that, that would be a good tree. <laughs> I might have to do it in the street because I'd get kicked out of my house. You can in the back of your garage as you're in the corners, your secret, your secret tree. It's like, I'm going to go check on the car, honey. <laughs> Why do you have to go check on the car? You know, <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Just got to make sure it's OK. Make sure it's locked. Yeah. Ray definitely looks like her costume's darker. Yes. So <laughs> she's she's got the blue saber still carrying the Anakin Luke saber. But, yeah, it's definitely darker. And her I can't tell if her hair is down or if that's like a collar i think it's a collar she's she popped her collar yeah the the 14 pixels that are there (laughs) are much darker than the three pixels for her hair (laughs) so my money's on a collar uh it looks like she's got some kind of like kind of flap in the front yeah like a little little uh loincloth crotch flap yeah or she just has her sweatshirt like tied around her waist it's probably she's got her hoodie it's getting hot she has a Boba Fett hoodie. <laughs> Luke, Luke gave it to her. He had a he had a crate of merchandise. But it's weird because Luke very well could just be an episode seven Luke ornament because they do do that with ornaments sometimes, right? Is they'll have like. They aren't always all current. I'm not. Um, I mean, I'm not an authority on Hallmark ornaments, but I, I think you're right. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's been some weird years where it's like, oh, look, it's Attack of the Clones Anakin, you know, where it's like, why did they pick that this year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I guess, too, I mean, if eight starts at the same end of seven, technically, that's still an episode eight Luke, too, because he's not going to change his clothes immediately. Well, he could, I guess. That's like the first shot. He's like, just a second. Yeah. You caught me at bad time. I wasn't, <laughs> I would have, I would have worn something else. Hold on. Yeah. Be right back. <laughs> did, did, did Ray bring another outfit on the Falcon with her? Cause I was trying to think of how she would change her clothes. Well, that's what I mean. Maybe the, if those are really episode eight, the Ray could be from later in the movie and Luke could be from the beginning of the movie. Just cause there's two ornaments. Doesn't mean they're from the same scene. True. I'm just glad for our safety, the Luke Christmas tree ornament isn't Luke with a lightsaber. It's only January still. I don't think we'd be ready to see that now. No, no. And we already took two weeks off for uh, the holidays. Yeah. (laughs) And we would be like, you know, we got to take two more weeks off because we just saw Luke with a lightsaber. Two weeks at least (laughs) until we wake up from the coma. Just please call our families and tell them we love them. Just put microphones next to our coma sleeping bodies. It would just be an hour of a snoring. Or that would just be the people listening. <laughs> I usually like this show. People said this show was funny. Yeah. I don't know what they were talking about. <laughs> it's dumb. Like me and Mark have been rehearsing a lot, and it's um, it's really amazing. Because when we went back to Skellig to do the opening of Eight, it was so crazy doing the same scene with a different crew of people. Um, but he's amazing to rehearse with, and I'm very excited to do the rest of the stuff. It's such a good story! Seriously! <laughs> Luke is so cool in this one. Amazing. Really. So another fun thing that happened this week was uh, there was a special episode of the Star Wars show that was all about the secrets of Rogue One. And it was like Pablo and Keeper of the Holocron, Leland Chi and Matt Martin and host by Andy Gutierrez. And they had a lot of good, a lot of good stuff on there. Yeah, it was a good one from like start to finish. Like it was jam packed with uh, excitement and good information. But because I was there at the same time that Chopper was there, and it is our Chopper, like the one that we use on Recon and the mm-hmm. one that lives out on the other side of that wall, he was there and the droid builders and the guys that operate the droids saw me and they're like, you know how to do this, right? 
Like, yeah. And hands me the controller, goes off to lunch. <laughs> the Chopper thing kind of blew my mind because I don't know why, for whatever reason, <clears throat> every time I saw the pictures of Chopper or Chopper actually in the movie, I figured they just CG'd him in after the fact. And the fact that he was really the real practical Chopper they have, the one that's always on the show. Um, and they had, what was the guy's name, Matt? Yeah, Matt say? Martin, yeah. Yeah, that he actually had to control him on set and they did it all you know, live, which was pretty amazing. You know, it, this, that show coming out when it did timed up really well. I went to go see Rogue One twice last weekend for viewing seven and eight. And I feel like viewing number seven was maybe my favorite time seeing it, just because it's so great to see it now. Kind of when it's been out for a while and the theaters are kind of em- more empty and you can kind of have it all to yourself. You can kind of take your time and really look for things like you know, Chopper or the Blue Milk or all the stuff they're talking about, all the little things. And we've had plenty of time to listen to the soundtrack. And, no, it's a good time to go see Rogue One now. No, I agree. That was, I think, one of the last times I saw Force Awakens was the same deal. I basically had the theater to myself. It was probably the best screening because you get to get the good seats and the sound is super clear because you don't hear people eating popcorn or coughing. And, yeah, now's like the, the sweet spot for going to see a Star Wars movie a couple months in. I remember one time when I saw Force Awakens around this time, going to the bathroom afterwards, and there was like an older guy in the bathroom, and he was like, I can't believe a guy killed his own father. That was his dad. Yeah. You have the best theater. <laughs> yeah. No, no one ever talks to me in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, yeah, he's a bad guy. Maybe he'll get redeemed. I don't know. Uh, especially if he didn't even when he didn't even see Force Awakens, he was watching <laughs> something else. <laughs> so, what was some other stuff in the Secrets of Rogue One that they were talking about? Oh, we get to hear all about the um, the ROTJ BG ship. The other thing that's in there, there's a ship in Return of the Jedi that for years was just known as the ROJ BG ship, mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi background ship, or maybe it's Return of the Jedi Bill George ship because Bill George, the island model maker, built it, right? And he's, he's told me the story. He built it for, like, a background ship, and Joe Johnson just didn't like it. He's like, eh, whatever. It looks <laughs> terrible. And so it's barely in Return of the Jedi, but fans always latch on to these little obscure background ships. Of course, yeah. So this ship has now been celebrated. The ship that was cast aside and said, eh, it's not very And then it was, it was StarWars.com that showed the first images, yeah, I, clear I, images. Years of ago, that, I like, found wow. photos of yeah. the model, and so I posted on the website. And sure enough, it ends up being fairly prominent in the end space battle because, spoiler, it's going to show up in Rebels as well. So that's another connectivity uh-huh. between the two. We started building that model for Rebels. They translated it into a photoreal version for uh, Rogue. And again, it's this castaway ship that no one likes now. Is getting its <laughs> I felt like a jerk watching that because I, I don't think I ever noticed in the thousand times I've watched Return of the Jedi, the ROTJ BG ship. I'm the same way. I, for whatever reason, even though, because then they showed the clip of it and where it's like it's the Falcon and then it's right there. Yeah. That, yeah. I never really noticed it there before, either. If it was in Rogue One, I wonder if they're going to take the Rogue One model to use it for Rebels, or if it was similar, because they mentioned with uh, the Ghost and with the Hammerhead ship that they actually took the models from Rebels, and ILM kind of spruced them up for live action. So it's cool that they're sharing things to that extent, but it makes sense. That's how they get the stuff in quickly. Yeah, that blew my mind with the fact that they took the digital model from the show Rebels and then took that file and created what we see in Rogue One, just kind of cleaned it up, spruced it up a little bit. Lucas always called the digital backlot. It, like, really is that. Yeah, and then they also were talking about stuff from John Knoll over the last couple days. The first thing about the Hammerhead ship, how um, everybody wondered what happened to the crew and that they actually went through the trouble of, in the first couple shots when you see it, you can see the escape pods on its belly and then the last shot when uh, it's falling with the Star Destroyers to the planet's surface, if you look closely, the escape pods are gone. One note about the hammerheads, people ask about like what happened to the crew on the ship that pushes the Star Destroyer on. Uh, John Knoll thought about this, and, and if you look super carefully, uh, the escape pod bays are empty on oh. the shot of the ship crashing into wow. the shield gate. So perhaps they made it out. But even still, if they made it out, they all got captured by Vader. <laughs> it made me think for viewing number nine that I want to bring like some of those little opera binoculars with me. You need to. So I can just look up close through the whole movie at everything. Just bring a thermos full of hot tea also. <laughs> drink out of a little teacup while you do it.
just watching some stuff, watching the Star Wars. <laughs> just watching my stories. But then, yeah, the other crazy thing John Will said, which in an article over the weekend, too, that he says no one's caught this yet, that they figured out that the trench at the, on the Death Star is big enough that a Star Destroyer could fly in it. So they actually modeled in a hangar bay with a Star Destroyer docked in it um, that you're supposedly able to see when uh, you see Krennic's ship fly out of the Death Star. Definitely. So next time you watch it, yeah, look for the Star, Star Destroyer bay. Yeah, they should, instead of handing out IMAX glasses, just hand out binoculars. I want to look up close at Radis's skin. I want to look really close at Radis's buddies in the background. A transmission from Scarif! <laughs> He's so happy. Where are the, man, where are the toys for those guys? Where, where's the t-shirt? Yeah, is there any Radis merchandise? Other well, than that one little, like, trading card thing that, that was out? There'll be the action figure eventually. Why isn't he in a three-pack with the two other white guys? I don't know. Moving motorized chair playset. Like, why don't they have the chair with like an iPhone app that you can control the chair with? That's what, that's what the kids really want. Why can't I go into Target and buy a T-shirt with a picture of Radis on it that just says "Totally Rad"? looking. BMX is his world. Rad is his way of life. We keep calling Kathleen Kennedy, and she keeps <laughs> keep getting voicemail. Sitting on a gold mine. I got something in the mail about a restraining order, but I haven't opened it yet. So, yeah, if you don't if you don't open it, it's not valid. <laughs> it's like parking tickets. You just keep throwing it away. They just eventually give up. I can't get enough of the shot when he's like, I guess he's looking back, probably at his buddies, and you can see the cockpit view behind him, and then the ship gets hit, and he just kind of shakes. Oh, Lazy yeah. His face. Oh! <laughs> I, I still love anytime he talks to the floor. What's going on down there? Oh, man. Rogue One, what's happening down there? You should add a glass bubble to your deck. And this summer, I'm going to build a full-on Radis Maydine chair. And if I'm going to go grill, I just want to swivel out on my chair. <laughs> and then if kids are running around underneath me, what's going on down there? You should. May the force be with you. And barbecue. <laughs> so one other thing they were talking about in the Secret of Rogue One thing was General Romadi. And the fact that we have General Romadi as a character in this, which is like, who? Which but, General Romadi? Yeah, he's like, he's the guy who comes up to Tarkin and tells him about the situation on Scarif and, and all this stuff. And, and believe it or not, the production crew took a look at everyone who was seated around the Death Star conference table, aside from Vader and, and, and uh, Tarkin, of course, and started earmarking who are characters it's that something we, you only see from the back of the yeah, head who can we recast to have a presence in this movie so they looked at Maudie they looked at Tag they looked at all these people and it turns out they found a guy who looks just like this really obscure <laughs> blurry photo character so this guy comes to the table with a full name a rank and a backstory and it's like nobody like flies over everyone's head but there he is they found a perfect match bald head guy to be that character where's the t-shirt of him too man I don't know I looked at Meyer the other day too. There was no good Rogue One T-shirts. Where's the Where's the Hot Toys Admiral or General Ramadi? Actually, I won't be surprised if eventually there'll be a Hot Toys that whole boardroom scene. Ooh, just a big shiny table and you know nine hundred dollars worth of Imperial officer figures. <laughs> Gives the Jedi his power. Found in all living things, found as close from us, uh, controls individuals, yet we have free will. We have a destiny if we want to follow it. We live for a reason and must discover what it is. The only way to overcome the dark side is through discipline. The dark side is pleasure, biological, and temporary and easy to achieve. The light side is joy, everlasting and difficult to achieve. Great challenge. Must overcome laziness, give up quick pleasures, 
and overcome fear, which leads to hate. Amen. Now let us pray. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, the Force will be with you always. Well, it's still something, more information's gonna come out because we're not done talking about them as a subject. Mm -hmm. But the name Wills is like one of the very first things George Lucas ever wrote about Star Wars. And his thought was that Star Wars itself is being brought to us, presented to us mere mortals on the planet Earth from some other tome that he had access to. Mm -hmm. And that, that tome was the Journal of the Wills. The Wills are a really interesting thing in Star Wars history, where they have been around since the very first draft of the first Star Wars. They've come in and out of storylines, been hinted at, but still what exactly the Wills are is not clear. Until Rogue One, they, the name Wills had never been spoken on screen in a Star Wars Thing. So they first showed up in the 1975 draft, first draft, which are in the title, Adventures of the Starkiller, from the journal The Wills. Then they show up again in Alan Dean Foster's novelization of the film that says, And in the time of greatest despair, there shall come a savior, and he shall be known as the Son of Sons. Journal The Wills 3127. So that was in the novelization. Yes. Now, we didn't get any mention of the Wills again until Revenge of the Sith, which is where things get really interesting, right? Yeah. Revenge of the Sith stuff is kind of all over the place because it was there in the original script. It was modified from the script in a slightly different form to be in the comic book. Um, And then then we figure out, too, that it was even slightly different in the novelization, but none of it ever made it into the film. In the screenplay... Um, the scene with Yoda on Polis Masan, where he's meditating, you hear Qui-Gon speak and basically telling Yoda how, <clears throat> when I become one with the Force, I made a great discovery. With my training, you'll be able to merge with the Force at will. Your physical self will fade away, but you will still retain your consciousness. You will become more powerful than any Sith, which he explains that the ability to defy oblivion can be achieved, but only for oneself. It was accomplished by a shaman of the wills. Mm. It's a Wired through compassion, not greed. And then that kind of gets changed around. I think in the comic book, he says almost the same thing. Uh, it was accomplished by a shaman of the wills. Oh, in the illustrated screenplay, they have a little bit more from the scene after that where Yoda is talking to Obi-Wan about Qui-Gon and how he has some training for him. And originally in that part, which is uh, kind of what crossed out in the final script, he says the secret of the ancient order of the wills he studied how to commune with him, I will teach you. So somewhere between the script and what was shot or what came out on screen, Lucas decided, let's not have Will speak in there. Fast forward to Clone Wars. Yoda, hear you, I do. Who are you? My imagination, it must be. No. It is I, Qui-Gon Jinn. That cannot be. Dead you are. No. I am part of the living force, Yoda. You will learn to preserve your life force. And so, manifest a consciousness which will allow you to commune with the living after death. How? Dark times are ahead, and forces of light must remain. This is the path of only a few Jedi. You will travel to one of the origins of all life in the galaxy. This place is where? The Force will be your guide. So when Yoda goes there, of course, he meets the the force, the priestesses, which Qui-Gon explains that he was chosen and Yoda was chosen to learn from them, from them the skill of eternal life. Because he says forces, dark times are ahead, 
forces of light must remain and they must learn the great gift. And actually what's really fascinating with that, at least at that time frame, is Lucas was still involved with Clone Wars. So him not using the term wills and bringing the wills back in Revenge of the Sith and then kind of having a similar thing but not calling it the wills in Clone Wars. I don't know. It's interesting that he kind of pulled away from that terminology. Right. Um, in, in two situations. Because the Force priestesses are left, I think, as they should be, really mysterious. And in, um, there's a great thing StarWars.com put out. It's on YouTube of um, when they screened those episodes at Lucasfilm. Filoni did like a Q&A with Leland Chi and Tom Kane. Filoni's talking about what the Force priestesses are. You know, we had to come up with these archetype voices for each of the identities. I don't want to ruin any greater mystery of this whole thing for you, but the way that I reconciled what that being is, is it's actually one being. It's one ancient being separated over time that for our perception to be able to see her, she is these many different iconic things presented to us. But she died a long, 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 long time ago. She is conscious in the Force, and she has a a limited ability to manifest. What we're getting at is why Yoda and Obi-Wan are able to do this, and why other people can't. There's an existence. Because it's been done before. It's been done before when he learns it. This is all like far out stuff in meetings with George. So who was she in her living life? Was she like a peddler, or what did she do? I don't know what she did. (laughs) I hope a Penguins fan, but I don't know. And so I almost wonder if this Force Priestess or whatever this thing is, is showing itself to Yoda as all these different emotions. It may be something very different than what Qui-Gon saw. It's true, because the, when Yoda talks to Qui-Gon, is it, well, it's on Dagobah, and then by the time he gets to see the priestesses, <clears throat> Qui-Gon's not there anymore. So it is almost like a personal journey that's unique to Yoda. I guess one thing, too, is just because the Will's speak is very similar, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're replacing each other either. There still could be the shaman of the wills could be people that worship those force priestesses and that they're not necessarily the same thing, although they're similar and kind of intertwined with what they represent. I remember when I first watched that episode and the force priestesses say, well, why should we teach Yoda? And one of them is, says he, he is to teach one who will save the universe from a great imbalance. And that's also why they chose Qui-Gon. And so you'd think there, well, they're talking about Luke. But then I was also thinking about how on Dagobah, Qui-Gon says to Yoda, forces of light must remain. And I started thinking about that. And if they're doing all this, the, the eternal life with the, the whole purpose that no matter what happens to them, somehow Luke will get trained because of how important Luke is. But if Qui-Gon says forces of light must remain, and that could also include Rey, because without Luke, and then forces of light, Rey of light. Well, and it makes sense, too, that the whole point, right, if you're immortal, then you're always there to train the chosen one of the force when they need it. Because it wasn't like you get to stay alive for like 90 more years in case someone needs you. You know where to find me. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, so there's no reason to think that Yoda wouldn't be around to to help Rey as well, and Obi-Wan. I think they're both going to show up in 8, but that's just me. I hope so. And Qui-Gon. And Kaidi Mundi. Yaro Poof. Obi-Wan has a a Qui-Gon puppet since uh, Qui-Gon couldn't uh, keep his uh, physical form. So whenever he talks, Obi-Wan just moves the Qui-Gon puppet. They're like a ventriloquist act now. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, (laughs) Qui-Gon? So the next time we hear about the Wills, it was Alan Dean Foster again with the Force Awakens novel, which he wrote like a, at the beginning of the Force Awakens novel. There's like a little poem in there, right? So at the beginning of the novel, yeah, it's first comes the day, then comes the night. After the darkness shines through the light, the difference, they say, is only made right by the resolving of gray through refined Jedi sight. Journal of the Wills. Seven four seven seven through refined Jedi sight. Yeah, it seems like there's been a lot of discussion on what that poem means and represents. And the Yoda arc, I think, describes some of that a little bit. Potentially, where before Yoda could learn how to retain his consciousness, he kind of had to 
resolve the gray in his own self by basically splitting the light and dark side parts of himself completely apart. And that possibly by acknowledging and overcoming the darkness in him, he was able to resolve the gray. Or you have to be gray and have the balance of the dark and the light. And that the problem with the Jedi and the Sith is that they're both of them don't acknowledge the other part of the force. It's a, you know, I, I always think of um, the Bendu as being in the middle. Right. He would be the gray, I would think. That's why, yeah, I'm really curious to see what they do with the Bendu going forward, since it is the first time on, not on film, but in live action, they're really going down that route of someone who is officially not light side or dark side. Jedi and Sith wield the Ashlar and Bogan, the light and the dark. I'm the one in the middle, the Bendu. What do you call yourself? Also kind of around this time in, in, in Rebels, we got introduced to the whole concept of the, um, the owls, the the what are they called? The Converies, I think. Converies? Yeah. Or Convor. Converies. Converse shoes. Good good luck searching for them and not finding shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find a picture today and all I could find was pictures of Converse. So the the concept with them is that they are kind of watching over things happening with the force with Jedi, which again kind of goes back to the priestesses. That they watch and study all who are strong with the force in the universe. So you kind of look at the times that they show up in Rebels. I mean, they even showed up in the Trials of the Darksaber. When Ezra and Kanan are teaching Sabine how to use the Darksaber, you can see it. some convery birds come flying in, checking it out, getting popcorn, chilling out. Yeah, they've been on Rebels a lot, like um, pretty much... They're on the, what's the name of the planet they're on now that they have the base? Oh, yeah. I can never remember it. I just always call it Chopper Base. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, what, the second to last episode in season two, they were there when Ezra was trying to figure out why he couldn't use his force friendship with the spider monsters. But then they were there in Twilight of the Apprentice, right? Watching Vader walk off. And in Dave Filoni's drawing, they're flying over Ahsoka. And people were flipping out. It looks like they show up in The Force Awakens. Yeah, that was pretty wild. So, like, when Ray is walking up the steps, there's all those birds flying around in the background, and some maniac a couple weeks ago freeze-framed it, and one of the birds flying around is not, like, a normal earth bird and it has the exact same shape as one of those convery owls so are they did they were they there in force awakens all this time are they watching ray go up the the jedi steps to go see luke skywalker i mean it sure seems like it so are those the force priestesses and are those another form of the wills So it does sound like something that potentially George Lucas wasn't ready to bring to the forefront, but now um, it seems to be like it's potentially a big part of the universe going forward. Now, in Real Buckwild 2 with Chirrut, in the the first draft, the Journal of the Wills screenplay, it's about Mace Windy, Jedi Bendu of Opuchuri, I think, and his Padawan learner C.J. Thorpe, who everyone calls Chewy 2. Now, even that, Chewy 2, I mean, but Chirrut, Chewy 2, am I reaching there, maybe? No, I, I thought the same thing, looking back into this stuff, because it's like, yeah, obviously, Chewy went to be Chew, Chewy of Chewbacca, but yeah, it also was very similar to Chirrut. Yeah, I think there's some of that Journal of the Wills version of the script coming to life in the with Chirrut and the Guardians.
if Pablo is talking about, there's going to be more story to tell for the Wills. If Luke is at the, the first Jedi temple, is that the same thing as the ancient order of the Wills? In the, the visual dictionary for Rogue One, when they're talking about uh, the Guardians of Wills, it says an ancient order, its origins lost in time and woven into the legends of the Jedi Knights. Some insist the Jedi drew inspiration from the followers of Jeddah, while other historians surmise it is likely the opposite. Whatever the truth, it is a matter of deepest faith to cheer it. So it's kind of like nobody knows who inspired the other. The Guardians or the Jedi. And that all kind of ties in with stuff we've talked about where, like with Lor Santeca, that they're bringing in this whole, because obviously in the Star Wars universe, the Force is a big deal. And there's a lot of people who know about the Force, where there is this whole Force, almost religion of people who aren't Jedis, but they appreciate the Force and worship the Force and possibly what the wills as well. Yeah, because also in Rogue One, there's all the... Uh the disciples of the wills, so like pretty much anyone on Jeddah that's going around wearing a red robe, they're disciples of the wills, which are just like people that just worship the very oldest ways of the Force. You know, I was just thinking too, it's kind of ties into this is I think with the star was it was it this week's tower show or was it an old one I was watching where they asked Pablo about if you'd go to the dark side are you automatically a Sith oh no it was one of the rebels uh recons I think but what made me think of is it it does seem like there's definitely uh they're working towards the idea that the force isn't just for Jedi and that you train to be a Jedi or you train to be a Sith but the force is still there um and having the force doesn't immediately make you one or the other so that there are all these other people and things and ideas that have to do with the force that aren't just Jedi and the Sith. The the wills would fit into that. And I remember when they first introduced like the Inquisitors, I was like, what the, what, wait, huh? Like it took a minute, like, wait, well, they're force users, but they're not a Jedi or a Sith. Like, and over time. Yeah. Well, and Clone Wars started that with Ventress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Because she was helping the dark side never really became a Sith and ultimately became like Ahsoka kind of a neutral force user um, in Ahsoka as well, where they're not, they're not Jedi and they're not Sith. Well, and who knows how much of that we will see with Snoke and Kylo Ren because Kylo Ren is not a Sith Lord and we don't know anything about Snoke. will soon be delivered to the resistance leading them to the last Jedi that's the big joke the big Snoke joke the Snoke joke no there Snoke sh- or joke there should be a book of just Snoke jokes we can start <laughs> tune in to next week's blast points Snoke jokes Snoke jokes it's no joke. Don't choke. <laughs> Don't choke on your aspirations for Snoke jokes. I'm too broke for a Snoke joke. I don't know. So those are some deep thoughts. It's a deep thought episode of Blast Points this week. and uh, Well, and the wills are kind of a deep thought sort of thing. Yeah. But something that we may hear more about in the future, and it does feel like that although they said Rogue One wasn't really tying in to the saga films, that I think it is tying into the saga films with kind of expanding on this whole Shaman of the Wills, Temple of the Wills, Guardians of the Wills, that that's gonna, there's going to be some overlap into Episode Eight with Luke. I think I mentioned every single week that if if such and such thing happens with Luke, I'm going to either scream or pass out. But just now thinking of the idea of Luke Skywalker on screen talking about some heavy force stuff, like some ancient force history business, which you know he probably will be, I'm not going to be able to handle that. Yeah, or training. You need to start training now. I, I do. And you start rigid exercising. Just practice holding your breath. <laughs> 
<laughs> Get the stopwatch out. Can you hold your breath for two hours and 20 minutes? <laughs> the other thing I thought I was thinking that it's fitting too is, you know, what was it way back? The idea of the wills was R2-D2 basically telling 100, what, 100 years after the Battle of Endor, R2-D2 tells, um, basically he's telling the wills the story of the Skywalkers that if Luke's on Achu digging deep on Force stuff, that R2 is there to see it and record it. So I can't even think about these things. The force is strong with this one. Force is strong in my family. Father has it. I have it. My sister. So, Gabe, we have a new iTunes review. Awesome. This one is one of my favorite titles for an iTunes review yet. Blast Points Reads My Mind Like Boar Gullet. <laughs> so, we're, we're already off to a great start. Yeah. This one is from Sandy74. And Sandy74 writes, The best Star Wars podcast in the galaxy. Again, thank you. Uh, from Boss to Wicket, they talk about all my favorite characters and dissect the movies in a way no other podcast has. Gabe and, quote, Gibnerd, which, all right, make, <laughs> make Tuesdays the most entertaining day of the week. Every episode is unique and has hilarious takes on all things Star Wars. And then there's a little side note at the bottom here. I can't watch Rogue One without thinking... You came here to kill me on my birthday. <laughs> uh, I kind of part of me feels bad that we've ruined the movie for people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't watch it every single time on my birthday today. You come here today. There's not much of me left. I was thinking the last time I saw Rogue One mm-hmm. <laughs> on the Sunday of celebration when they're like. You got five minutes to get out of here. I'm going to stand and unplug a thing from my chest and I will run no longer. It just collapsed. And so I was just checking. It's really unfortunate because Forrest Whitaker's birthday is July 15th. And I don't know that Rogue One will still be in theaters by then. So we could all go on Saw's birthday. Well, we'll we'll have a a Blu-ray at home. That's true. So maybe, uh, yeah, write it in your calendars. July 15th is Saw Guerrera's birthday. Rogue One Day, so make sure you watch the movie. We'll do an episode all in our Sagrera voice. Hope everyone's having a good summer. Reviews, iTunes, Facebook. Lose one's mind. So, speaking of, you should leave us a review on iTunes, just like our friend Sandy74. Leave us a five-star review, write something nice, and we'll read it on an upcoming show. And we'll try to keep making Tuesdays better. For the world. For the world. That's our mission. (laughs) And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. You should also check out blastpointspodcast.com. It's the new website, still new, because we don't know what we're doing yet. No, we're working on it. Um, we update it sometimes. Yeah, there's a, there's a review of the Trials of the Darksaber up on there, and I heard a rumor, Gabe, that there's going to be a recipe on there this week. Oh. You're going to want to check blastpointspodcast.com so you can learn how to start making some Star Wars foods. Is it like boar goulash? <laughs> Some ad, Admiral Radish <laughs> salad. You should also check out uh, Blast Points on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. And that about wraps up episode 57 here. Deep thoughts on the wills. Send us your wills theories. We want to hear them. We'll keep the conversation going in upcoming shows. 
we'll work on our wills in case we die <laughs> at <laughs> celebration. Yeah. I'm going to call a lawyer. Can, can you give me a, can you write journal of the wills on my will? <laughs> How do I go about getting a will taken care of? Well, you got to see a lawyer and all that stuff. No, 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 no. Like journal of the wills. Like with an H. I'm talking about C.J. Thorpe and Mace Windy. The real stuff. Do you think C.J. Thorpe is related to B.J. Hughes? Is the, the deepest thought yet. <laughs> somebody, con- somebody, contact Pablo. Yeah, get on, get on, uh, get on the Twitter and see uh, what Pablo has to say <laughs> about B.J. Thorpe or C.J. Thorpe and B.J. Hughes. <laughs> so, on that note. Thanks for listening to episode 57, folks. We'll see you next week. Hopefully. (laughs) May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you.